Back on the High Motor Podcast, NFL Draft in the rearview mirror. Had a nice draft recap episode on Sunday, if you did not catch that. Two of my favorites, Thor Nystrom, Peter Bukowski, on the show with that draft in the rearview. And now, this is when it really feels like we're just staring at college football, doesn't it? And I know that we've all been wondering about college football for, what, five or six weeks now, but draft over... Now it really feels like we're kind of eyeballing the season, watching that clock tick down, so to speak. Old Dominion head coach Ricky Ronnie is going to be on the show in a little bit here. But before I get him on the phone, something kind of interesting that I was looking over before I hopped on. There was an article, it was published on Monday on CNBC. It's called, if you want to look it up while while listening here, it's called Sports Arenas Could Require Necessary Renovations for Social Distancing Architect Firm says and most of the meat of this article it comes from the firm DLR group they they aren't one of the huge huge players but they did just do the renovations on the LA Coliseum they've done other sports venues in the past and the idea here is with these quotes is that stadiums might have to uh, not optional they might be forced to if they want to hold games they might be forced to adjust their seating so instead of just blocking off seats or tarping off seats selling certain seats to satisfy these potential social distancing distancing guidelines this summer, this fall, next year, whenever, they might just have to renovate their stadiums. And one example that they gave in the article here, you know, those those four-seat boxes, you'd have those in a pod, and then you'd have six feet of uh, empty space in all directions around you. So they might have to remove seats, add different seats, so it's these four-seat pods, and then completely empty around it. It'd just be all these pods splattered around the stadium. And this article uh, came out on Monday. A day later, on the same note, LSU joined several colleges who've announced they plan to open for on-campus classes this fall. They still might keep those larger classes online, but they plan to have campus open. And for those of you who are following the college football or generally college sports aspect of all of this, this is the big one. I mean, there are other hurdles here, other big, big hurdles, but this is kind of the one as we're all watching this. If campuses are closed, students aren't on campus, student-athletes aren't on campus then, no sports. I mean, despite Mike Gundy's insistence that they can do basically whatever they want, I mean, that'll never happen. Nobody believes that the athletic department or football programs are going to have football without students on campus. Nobody actually believes that's going to happen, despite what somebody like Mike Gundy might insist. Oregon was also a recent addition to that list. A lot of schools, a lot of important, impressive schools that carry a lot of weight in college sports. Now on that list, it's a very notable list. And on that note, going off of, if you saw Brett McMurphy, he's done a few surveys over the last month, uh, surveying ADs and presidents about playoff, about coronavirus stuff. He did a second survey of ADs just last week. Uh, That first one was about a month ago. Last week was the one that said 99% of ADs said they believe that we will have a football season. Now, a lot of them said that they think it'll be delayed. 
I think it was something like 75% of ADs said we will have a football season, but it will be delayed in some capacity. My question, how can they possibly know that? And I'm asking this because how can schools possibly plan ahead for the fall and say we plan to have on-campus classes? I get that they want to, and they're not going to completely close campus yet, but I mean, we're still four months out. So I think that that those results and going along with these uh, campuses that say they're going to be open, I think those results are skewed because in this case with Brett McMurphy's survey, I think it's what ADs think they should say. They think that they just need to remain optimistic, which is fair. I get it. I'd be optimistic all you want. If you're pessimistic now, I mean, how, how could that affect the possibility of football being played in the fall? How's that going to affect donations? How's that going to affect ticket sales? How could that actually affect the decision of playing football? If football is played in the fall, 24 first-year head coaches, almost one in five programs led by new coaches in 2020. Among them, Old Dominion and first-year, first-time head coach Ricky Ronnie, who's with us on the High Motor Podcast this week. And coach, looking back a few months, I didn't know this until a press release came out for your hiring that second week of December. Morrison, Colorado native. How'd you like growing up out there? Uh, it was great. It was a great place to grow up. Uh, yeah, I uh, lived in the same house my entire life. In fact, my mom just sold it a year or two ago. So uh, it was an unbelievable place. Uh, you know, I uh, was able to sneak up to a few concerts at Red Rocks, which is in Morrison. And uh, it, it was an unbelievable place and got to ski. So I got some experiences there when I was younger that most people don't get. My my first job after college, that's why I asked you, I moved out to Denver, uh, got a job in Lakewood, a bank off of Union and Alameda, right next to the community college. Looks like that was your backyard at Bear Creek High School, right? Yeah, absolutely. Bear Creek was in Lakewood, um, you know, and, and so... Yeah, it's 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 right there. It's it's absolutely right there. So, yeah, it was, it was a great place. You know, we were one of the we were in the big schools. You know, we had uh, a little over I don't know what was it a little over twenty four hundred kids something like that. So it was a great place to go to school. In fact, but this is when you start feeling old. Is my my high school building doesn't exist anymore. They tore it down and and there's a new one. So that that's when you start to uh, that's that's when things start to go awry. And then after Cornell, I read that you were you know, sending out tons of letters. I think you had a real job, you said, at Cintas um, after college. But then you were sending out tons of letters to schools looking for jobs. You know, was that something that you hoped for? You know, you like growing up in Colorado. Did you want to return there? Were you even targeting a specific area of the country at that time? Or were you just throwing out lines, you know, hoping for a bite anywhere? No, I was actually working back in Denver. I got transferred from Baltimore back to Denver at Cintas. So, um and, and and I knew that, you know, where I lived wasn't as important as what I was doing. I, you know, I needed to get back into football. And, and so it was, it was more about what I was doing than where I was going to live. So it, I was, I was willing to go anywhere. There's no doubt about it. Did you feel like there was a shift in your career where you could become more selective than with your choices? You know, you can maybe look at a handful of opportunities and really say, this is where I want to be. Do you feel like there was a shift in your career when that did happen? Yeah, but it's probably not going to be what most people think. I mean, I, I I think the shift in my career where I could start to get a little bit, you know, where you know, be able to be selective in what I was doing and things like that was was probably when I got my first full time job at Kansas State. You know, I mean, I was the youngest full time coach in the Big Twelve. Um, I was I was the lowest paid, but that didn't really matter to me. Um, you know, and so I was the running back coach there when I was 27 years old. And, um, 
you know, from then on, I knew I, you know, I knew I could be a little bit selective and I didn't have to, you know, kind of jump and make choices. And mainly because I didn't know if being a head coach was exactly what I wanted to do then. So I wasn't going to make decisions and choices based on, you know, just being a head coach and that being the, the only goal I could get to. You know, I knew I wanted to call plays someday, but I knew I also didn't have to do it right away. So I was able to, you know, stay at Kansas State for four years until I moved on to coaching quarterbacks with Coach Franklin, who I had a prior relationship with, obviously. And then, you know, I stayed with Coach Franklin for nine years, you know, when you consider three at Vanderbilt and six at Penn State. So, you know, I think that, you know, being so young when I got my first full-time job was probably the the point where I was able to be pretty picky. Yeah. And then at K-State, you were there during a really interesting time, you know, when, when a one legend leaves and then a couple of years later, he comes back. What was that like when coach Snyder did come back just what, three, four years after he had left? Yeah. So it was three years after he left, um, you know, and, and I was there for all three years with, with coach Prince, who was one of my college coaches. Um, and, you know, I was there as a GA for one year and, and then the running back coach for two with coach Prince. And then, um, we got let go and Coach Snyder came back. Um, and you know, he never had really left. He'd always had an, an office in the building. Um, and he still watched practices and all those sort of things. So he'd seen me coaching and, and, uh, he liked what I did there. And, and so he actually hired me as the, the tight end coach. Um, and so, you know, that was an unbelievable opportunity for me because obviously to learn from a legend like coach Snyder was, was, you know, something that, uh, very few people get that opportunity. Do you get the feeling that, you know, different deal and different dynamics, but, you know, taking over at ODU with Bobby Wilder kind of staying on there, you know, in a different capacity, but did, did the transition kind of feel the same where you said Bill Snyder was always around and then uh, with Bobby Wilder this year, was there any similarities with that? I know you've only been there for three months, but, but do you feel any of the same type of the feelings from before? I think it was probably a little bit different. Um, you know, I'd known Bobby a little bit because some of the travel camps and things that we'd participated in at, 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 uh, at Penn state. And so Bobby's very, very helpful. Um, and, and, and that sort of thing, but he's also been extremely respectful. Um, and, and kept his distance and, you know, let me, let me run the program as I see fit, you know, and, and, you know, he's, he's been, if I've had a question or something, he's been there for me and I, and I really respect him for that. And, you know, and then also having his son on the team, you know, he's able to step back and be more of a dad than a coach for the first time. So it's, it's been a little bit different. Um, but I, you know, I've, I've obviously been, you know, I, I, I can't, you know, thank him enough for, you know, how great he's been during this transition. I know you said at 27 at Kansas State, you didn't know that you, you wanted to be a head coach uh, at that time. When did that really click for you? Had you been looking for a head coaching opportunity the last few years? Was that something that you, you started really to want while you were at Penn State? No, this was really the first offseason that um, I pursued it. You know, and quite frankly, you know, Old Dominion was, was the one that I, that I pursued. You know, um, I, it was really this previous summer when I thought to myself that, you know, I did want to be a head coach, um, you know, and so it kind of changed for me over that, I guess, as you mature through life, you know, everyone always told me that it would, but um, I didn't quite believe it because I see some guys who are, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old and all they can talk about is being a head coach someday, you know, and uh, I was never that way. So, you know, it really changed for me this summer and uh, no, I hadn't been pursuing other jobs, those sort of things. You know, to me, the Penn State offense coordinator job was a dream job for me, especially working for 
the man I worked for and, and working with the other coaches that, you know, I'd worked with for a long time. And you say this is a job that you pursued when the offer was extended. Did you have to think about it being at your dream job or did you know immediately that this, this was the job that you wanted? I knew it was a job I wanted because I wouldn't have pursued it if I didn't think it was the right job for me. You know, I, I wouldn't have gone through the entire interview process had it not been a job that I thought I was, you know, going to take if it was offered to me. That's just not how I do business. So um, it wasn't it wasn't something that took a whole lot of uh, convincing once it was actually offered to me. Um, but I'd asked a ton of people during the whole process whether you know they thought it was a was the right opportunity for me. You know, from Coach Franklin and 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 other people. And so you know it was it, it was something that it wasn't like I went into it lightly. Um, I, I got a ton of information, but. Once it got to the point where it got offered to me, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, how did everything go down? I think it was about a, you know a week or eight days or something like that from from Coach Wilder's resignation to to your hiring. How did that whole process go for you? Yeah, I mean, um, it was funny because it was actually during recruiting, right? It was during winter recruiting. So I first got contacted about it. Um, I was actually in Canada um, recruiting uh, a tight end who ended up signing with Penn State. Um, and, uh, you know, I got, I got contacted there and, and they asked me if they, if I'd be willing to speak the next day and, and, uh, over the phone. And I said, yeah, but I'm flying to Las Vegas. So, you know, uh, so I landed in Vegas from Canada and pulled into an in and out burger and, um, and had my phone interview. And then I went and, uh, recruited a quarterback that ended up signing at Penn state. Um, and, uh, felt like it went really well um clicked with uh dr selig and bruce stewart um so i felt really good about it uh and shortly thereafter they called me and said hey later this week we're going to want to get you on campus um and i told them okay but i practiced on uh saturday you know and uh i and i need to be there you know or excuse me on sunday and i need to be there and, and we have a big recruiting day on sunday and so there were some things we had to work around, and I also had recruiting for the rest of the week. So ended up going up there Friday night um, and then uh, had part of the interview on Saturday and then drove from uh, Norfolk up to State College to a recruiting event and then practiced the next day. And then kind of from there, there was a moment where I, I didn't think I was going to get it. Um, so on Monday morning at about 4 a.m., I left to go recruiting um, in the eastern part of the state of Pennsylvania up into New Jersey and New York. And then, uh, you know, that, that Monday morning, I got the call to, to get the offer while I was just about to go into the bridge to go into New York city or excuse me, the tunnel to go into New York city. What's that feeling like when, when the switch really flips, like you said that you were in it for the long haul and if the offer was extended, you knew you wanted it. And then, and then it comes and, and from it, from what I understand, it seems like basically in that moment you went from, uh, Penn State assistant to Old Dominion head coach. What does it feel like when that switch just flips in a matter of instant? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I mean, I had to, <laughs> you know, at that point, you're not really allowed to tell anybody either, you know. So you, you want to go, you know, tell a bunch of people, especially the people that you're thinking about hiring. But, you know, there's a lot of other things that have to go down. Um, so I had to call the assistant. There was a, another assistant, Penn State assistant, in a different car. Um, and I had to call him and tell him, hey, I probably, uh, um, something came up and I, I won't be able to make it, uh, um, you know, which is hard. Cause I, I, you know, that's one of my, you know, 
dearest friends that I had to basically be very evasive to. So that was tough. And then there was a bunch of guys who, um, you know, the GAs and things, the younger coaches at Penn state, they, they kind of knew how I felt about them. And, and, and ultimately I ended up hiring them, but you know, they were kind of on pins and needles too, because this could be their first full-time job in a division one school. So it was a very, uh, it was very weird that I wasn't able to kind of just come out right away and say, Hey guys, I'm the new head coach and all that sort of thing. I kind of had to wait till later that night. And then what did, what did you guys do with the whole family? Did everybody move down to Virginia right away? Or I know you have a couple of kids, they stay back and, and stay college. And obviously that, you know, changed dramatically when the virus hit, what are they doing right now? Yeah. So in fact, we're, we're all in Pennsylvania, including myself right now. Um, you know, I mean, we can't go into the office, right? <laughs> so, um, we do have a house and, 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 uh, but we don't uh, move in until late May. So we're still in Pennsylvania. Uh, we'll, we'll move down there in May. And, and it wasn't the original plan. The original plan was to get moved down in, in basically a week after spring break in March. So, you know, it's a little different, obviously. But, uh, I mean, I'm quite frankly doing the same thing here as I would be doing in Norfolk. You know, so, but the, the great part is, is I am allowed to be around my family right now, which, I'd been without my boys for a month and a half. So that was really, really, that was hard for me. Yeah. And with all that happens during, I mean, a normal year for a first year head coach, you along with, I think there were you know, several other first time head coaches across college football, you're dealing with something that none of us really could have imagined with all that happens over that first year. Does it, does it feel overwhelming to have this be your first year leading a new program, uh, you know, in, in a new city, new school with a hundred some odd new kids? Um, just obviously the, the just being a new head coach and being at a new school and, and learning a new area and new kids and building those relationships and all those sort of things, you know, that in itself can be overwhelming. You know, the actual fact that it's during this, this pandemic hasn't really added to it. And I know people think I'm crazy when I say that, but, um, you know, I have the exact same amount of experience as anybody else during this. So, you know, just the same way I'm feeling my way through this, you know, so was, you know, coach Franklin quite you know, so, um, so the pandemic's not really adding to it all, but the, all those things of being a first-time head coach are certainly uh, are certainly still there. Can you give us an idea of what you're planning for schedule-wise right now? Are, are you just planning as if camp and the season will start on time, even though you're not sure if it will? You know, I, I am and I'm not. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, I'm trying not to plan too far ahead for any, quite frankly. I'm trying to make sure that, you know, our next week, is going to be the best week that we can have in football, you know, and really the next day, you know, and at the end of each day, I plan my next day out and make sure I've got my calendar for me and that sort of thing. And, and, um, you know, that's kind of how I'm doing it. You know, I don't want to look too far in advance. I don't really think that's healthy in this, you know, day and time where, you know, we just don't have the answers. And so, you know, I don't want to go and build a bunch of models or if this happens and this, if this, and this, and this, this, and that, because I'm just going to drive myself insane that way. So I'm trying to make sure that we maximize every single day. And, uh, you know, I'm planning basically week by week. And uh, obviously I have goals that I want to accomplish out in the future that I know we need to get to. And, and you know, each week I, I work towards those. With respect to, to your privacy and the privacy of your players at Old Dominion, you know how do how do they feel about about everything right now? Are they worried? Are they overwhelmed? Are they concerned? I think they're just like everybody else in the country. You know, they just want answers. And unfortunately, um, you know, generally head coaches are hired to have answers, right? But unfortunately, I don't have any right now. 
And, 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 and I don't pretend that I do. One thing I always told them is that I was always going to be honest with them and always tell them the truth. And, you know, I, I don't have the expertise in order to give them answers. And I think if I try to and, and, and guess and, and, you know, those sort of things, all I'm doing is making it worse. So, um, yeah, they're, 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 they're concerned right now. Um, I try to tell them to just focus on what they can do to win that day and go one and the day. Cause I think that's the best thing for all of us. You know, if you try to look too far ahead, it's pretty daunting. But right now, if you can just go into each day and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do to win today. Come out of this thing 1-0 today. I think, uh, you know, right now that's the best way to approach this thing. Coach, what's your biggest worry right now? Anything that, that keeps you up at night regularly? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> as a head coach, I have, you know, I, I have 116 that keep me up at night and worry regularly. But I, in all honesty, that's it. I mean, I, I just, you know, how are my guys doing? You know, I mean, how are, I'm not around, I'm not able to be around and, um, quite frankly have in the short amount of time I was around, I may not have built up the trust that they feel like they can come to me with problems. Um, so, you know, if I'd been there over a year or whatever, I feel like I would have that and, and they could, they would be able to voice some concerns a little bit more right now. They may be, you know, hesitant to do that even, even when I ask. So, you know, that's the number one thing is, you know, our team, Crave structure, um, you know. I think footballers in general do, uh, and right now we really don't have that that much. So that's that's something that keeps me up at night. But just also making sure that they're healthy um, and they're safe. Um, those are the things that that keep me worried. What do you think about your team? I mean, now what four four and a half months uh, into the job? What do you think about it? What do you like uh, strengths? Do you see any weaknesses? Areas of improvement so far? Yeah, I mean it's a great question, but I did never see him with pads or a football. So I don't feel comfortable answering that question. Um, I know everyone's like, well, you, you, you have the tape from last year and those sort of, things. you know, but I, I wasn't coaching them on, on that tape. So I don't know. Um, they keep doing exactly what they were coached. They could be doing, you know, not, not at all what they were being coached. And I'd be evaluating them on something that, that I don't have all the information. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really have a great, um, answer to that question right now just because you know i i still want to see him it's the number one thing why i wanted to see him in uh spring ball is you know i saw him in winter workouts i love their work ethic and, and and how they were competing in winter workouts but obviously you know i, I still need to see him with pads and 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 making split second decisions and, and having the ball well let me ask you this before we go here then what are you most excited about about this team so far four months in you know, just their buy-in you know, I, I felt like they've really bought into to to the culture I'm trying to uh, put out there to to the other coaching uh, coaches on our staff. Uh, I felt like they've bought into you know what I'm preaching and things like that. Um, you know, obviously, are there times when you know, um, hey, a guy this is a tutor or something like that? Of course, you know. But w- what I have seen is guys aren't making excuses. Guys are buying into to the expectations and, and those sort of things. And, and just the culture that we're trying to build, I think, you know, that's been the uh, thing that's got me most excited. That's first-year Old Dominion head coach Ricky Ronnie. Coach, thanks so much for the time. You know, best of luck with, with everything in the coming months and that move with your family. Uh, thanks a lot today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.